With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Yes, it's the return. Of the pigskin pecking order, Judd Zolgad. I simply couldn't wait. The pigskin pecking Well, mathematically, we should do this next week. But, and we, you know, we're just so excited for And we will season. do it next week again. Yeah. Or, yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe what? we'll come up with a... Maybe we'll come up with a... Uh, some sort of football-related add-on pecking order. But this is our first preseason top ten rankings. If you're new to the show... Um, this is what we do every week during football season. We rank, and, and the Vikings have been part of this for large chunks of our show's existence. Yeah, you're right. So why don't why don't you start us All off right. here? Okay, we'll go. We'll count ten to one. We'll see if the Vikings are in there, where they fall, and yep. who we have in our top ten preseason NFL team rankings. Okay, I'll start this off by saying I had a feeling that the um, AFC was not going to be well represented, and I was right. But I start at number ten. With the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay. I think the Chargers are going to be not even sneaky good. I think they're ignored because they're playing in a soccer stadium and the Rams are all the rage out there. But I'm going to put the Chargers at number 10. Number 9, a team that won 13 games a couple years ago, fell off last year. But I still like Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys. Number 8, lower than I expected because I thought I would put them closer to the Vikings, but I did not. The Green Bay Packers, based on this, I don't know I trust their defense yet. They've got a new coordinator in Mike Pettin there, yeah. and they certainly have a Hall of Fame quarterback. But still, until I see that they can consistently stop teams, at least to give Rodgers a chance to win, Packers number eight. Number seven, the other team in Los Angeles, and I don't know how to feel about these guys. Uh, Donald is still not signed. Jared Goff could drop off. I think McVay's a very good coach, but they also really popped up a year ago and and surprised people. And teams like that in this league often fall back a little bit. But for now, number seven, the Los Angeles Rams. Number six, people love to rag on Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan's not a bad player. And the Falcons went from Super Bowl to falling off, and I think that they make a little bit of a comeback this year. The Falcons at six. Now my top five. At number five, I've got Philadelphia based on this. You win a Super Bowl, it's really tough. It's really tough. Carson Wentz is going to come back at some point. It might not be week one. Nick Foles was unbelievable, but if he has to start, is that really him? I don't know. Just the fact that the the Super Bowl champion can often descend a little bit. I dropped uh, Philadelphia from my original top three to number five. Okay. Number four, Vikings week one opponent, Jimmy Garoppolo. And the San Francisco 49ers. 
I think they're going to pop up and be really good. I think they now have a quarterback. I think Shanahan offensively is a genius. There's a lot of things to me that lead me to believe that the 49ers are going to come back strong. They are my fourth team. Number three, the victims of the Minneapolis Miracle and Drew Brees, who orchestrated one of the great comebacks in NFL playoff history, which is now completely forgotten because Keenum hit digs on that pass. The Saints at number three. Number two, from the TCO Performance Center in Egan. Wow. The Minnesota Vikings. Wow. I've got the Vikings at two. Might be a little bit high, but you know what? There are there are oh, legit we'll there are legitimate Super Bowl aspirations around this team. And yeah, you and, smell that? And you for, smell that? It's a corn dog. No, it's actually the, the fries that those guys are holding. Okay, they smell really, but really good. But the other thing you smell is oh, Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Super Thank Bowl. you. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> uh, and this defense, no, no matter how we feel about the O-line potentially or the kicker, there is nothing about this defense that leads me to believe it's not going to be very good again. And number one, just because I never know what to expect, and every time I say Brady's going to get old and fall off, and this team has too much turmoil, yeah. the Patriots. So until the Patriots really show me a six and ten year, every time I start to I start to predict their demise, I'm wrong. So my top ten: Patriots, Vikings, Saints, 49ers, and Eagles are my five. My okay. top five: six through ten: Falcons, Rams, Packers, Cowboys. And the LA Chargers. So my ten and my one are from the AFC, and two through nine are all NFC teams. So I actually have I have four teams from the AFC in my top ten, but if you were to go out beyond that, it'd be a lot of NFC teams. So I, I've got I do have the 49ers on the outside because I want them to prove it. Okay, sure. just because you want a bunch of games in garbage time and everyone's feeling good about Garoppolo, I do think they're going to be good. But let's make them prove it for a second. We'll start with number ten, a team that's getting. Two really important players back this season. J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson are going to be back in the mix in the 2018 season for the Texans, who I think are going to be a really exciting team to watch. Think about all the top-end talent. By the end of the year, when you've got even like Will Fuller as a deep threat, as a number two receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, I really, really like the Houston Texans as kind of a dark horse team to uh, put together a good season in a weak AFC, mind you, as well. Number nine, I'm drinking a little Cowboys Kool-Aid with you. I think I think what happens is a team goes down, and then you forget about them for a minute. But the Cowboys two years ago were really, really good with rookie Dak Prescott. It's one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, if not the best offensive line. Ezekiel Elliott, one of the top three to four running backs in the league, and Dak Prescott, uh, even though it was a little bit of a down year for him last year, the guy still had a two-to-one touchdown to interception ratio, still looks like a franchise quarterback. So I've got the Cowboys in my ten. Number eight, you and I also have the Packers in the same spot. Tons of questions surrounding everything except Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers is so good, <laughs> if he plays 16 games, yep. they win 10 of them. The ultimate right? cologne, right? Yes. Just, du- just dump a bottle of A-Rod on you and you smell good. Correct. I mean, if he, it, you start the season, if he plays 16 games, you start the season with seven wins. So Aaron Rodgers is the best duct tape in the NFL when he's been out, I think their record is like 6-10-1 or something, or 5-10-1. Or if you take the time he missed last year and then the time he missed a few years ago, uh, they're, they're one of the worst six teams in the NFL. Number seven, the Rams. I definitely share some of the same concerns that you do. Otherwise, they might be higher. But it seems like systematically and culturally, they have a lot of things going in the right direction. And Jared Goff... Maybe he's being propped up by a system and a great coach, but 
I don't think you can fake the season he had. I mean, it's at at worst he just sort of regresses uh, back toward average in some way. So I've got the Rams number seven, number six. I've got him four spots higher than you did. The Chargers, okay? Yeah. This is the sneakiest team in the NFL because they've only made the playoffs one time since 2009. Philip Rivers, I think if he had better coaching and supporting cast around him, there's a little bit of the uh, Tony Romo effect with him where if you had better things around him, we'd talk differently about Rivers and Romo. Instead, we blame them for organizational problems. So the Chargers, they won six of their last seven games down the stretch last year. In those six wins... Their defense allowed 12 points per game. Mm-hmm. So they've got this incredible defense. Now, now that it's not like they're playing these powerhouse teams. They're playing the AFC mostly. But that's a, that's a tough division. It's a really good defense. And Phillip Rivers still has some gas in the tank as one of the savviest veteran quarterbacks in the league. So I got the Chargers number six. I think they might win that division, especially now that the Chiefs are going to roll with a rookie quarterback. Yep. Number five, Steelers. The Steelers have so much top-end talent. Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, even Juju Smith-Schuster is is going to be... This might be the year, though. Maybe. It, that, that it finally falls apart. Right. And but, Roethlisberger get, just is old. And uh, and, and we'll see. I, you know, Again, it's if they play in the NFC, much more likely that they go 7-9 and nine and miss the playoffs. But the Steelers I still have in my top five. Number four, the New Orleans Saints. Pretty much where I had them at the end of last year. Now, But now we're in the territory of... These teams can win the Super Bowl. The Saints can win the Super Bowl, especially yep. if they get home field throughout the NFC playoffs. If they just have, to, if they can stay in New Orleans and play in that environment, and it's Drew Brees, um, I could see the Saints winning the Super Bowl. Number three, New England Patriots. Ooh, you! Uh, I've got them down. You a took tick. the liberty of taking them down a couple pegs. Okay, I do. Um, I don't know. They just. They have, they've had injury issues at times with Gronk, offensive line. There's more tension between oh, they've, they've got turmoil. Brady, Belichick. They've got turmoil. I just don't know if it's going to catch up to them. And I don't either. And they're still in the top three, and they yep. can still win the Super Bowl. Nothing would surprise me. I don't think the wheels are going to – if Brady gets hurt, the wheels could come off. I don't think the wheels are going to come off, but I've got a number three. All right. Number two, the Minnesota Vikings. You right. and I agree. Okay. And we'll circle back on that. And number one, because their downfall is just a theory right now. It's not a reality, the Eagles. So I'm with you. That It's really hard to – to come back and repeat and do all the things, and we still have to see Carson Wentz coming back from an injury. Um, but as of right now, the Eagles' downfall in our minds is only a theory. They just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they've got a great defense. They got a great coach. They got they've got great everything. It's for the just most based part. for me on how difficult that that is to win a Super Bowl and then come back and be successful again. And if Foles has to start the season, I think there's a drop off there. Yeah, I don't think he can maintain the level of play. He gave them. I agree. And the Wentz they thing. Should, they, they almost should have traded him. Yeah. They, if they could have gotten a second-round pick for him. Right, but the scary thing now, the, the scary thing for all these teams that have a decent backup is you want to trade him, but then you're like, my God, if my guy gets hurt, right? Yeah, but you already won a Super Bowl. No, I know, so but I'm saying, you you know? I, I think the Jets' fears and the Eagles' fears are we finally cultivated a backup who could start for teams. Yeah. And we could get something for him, but if we do that and Carson Wentz or Darnold goes down, we're royally screwed. Yeah, don't you think some team would have given, and who knows if the, if the Vikings picked up the phone before they wound up signing Kirk Cousins, but don't you think some team would have given up a first or a second round pick? Didn't Cleveland offer a pretty good package? I thought Cleveland, oh. I thought Cleveland at some point in time offered a decent package, and, yeah. and they said no, thanks. But, th- but that's the thing where, and I'm not trying to knock, listen, Nick Foles was awesome, and Nick Foles played the, the two or three best games of his life. 
But don't you think you could have put 30 to 40 different quarterbacks in that system with that coach and that coordinator? And maybe they wouldn't have been Super Bowl MVP, but if you would have put Terod Taylor on that team down I don't the stretch, know the are they, to that. they still probably get to the Super Bowl. I don't know the answer to that. Nick Foles. Saying, let's not Nick go crazy Foles, on Nick, Nick Foles. Foles. Nick Foles got incredibly hot, but don't forget, and this was not all on Nick Foles' fault, Nick Foles, the uh, the Rams a couple of years ago, would have traded him to you for a box of cookies. Exactly. Like, that's, that's my point. The Vi- same with Case Keenum, yeah. by the way. So yes. let's- the Vikings, the the year that the Vikings had Sean Hill as their backup, I actually wrote, just go trade for Nick Foles. Like, yeah. he can just stand there and hold a clipboard for Teddy. <laughs> and now yeah. and now, the the Eagles were potentially offered, like, a second-round pick and said, no, peace out. We're not going to do it. Yeah. So that all right, that's our pigskin packing order. Uh, Judd's got Patriots, Vikings, and then Eagles were third on your list, or Saints? Uh, fifth. Okay. Saints third, 49ers fourth, Eagles fifth. Wow, Niners are so high on your list. I, I, I know. I, well, I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to guess on one team. Okay. Like, that's the team I'm guessing on. And I guess I'm guessing on the Chargers with them being safe. I've got Eagles number one, Vikings number two, Patriots three, Saints, Steelers, Chargers, Rams, Packers, Cowboys, and Texans. Back with more. Jonathan with some stuff we should know about in about 15 minutes. Man, uh, Manny Hill's in the house. So he's going to hang out on the show uh, between now and 1 o'clock, too. Kate Mortensen is the CEO of the Minneapolis Final Four Organization Committee, and she's going to join the show around 1230 to discuss the next big national sporting event coming to town here in about eight months. Mackie and Judd live from the Minnesota State Fair. Yeah, it's still raining here at the State Fair, but that's not stopping people. It's mostly ponchos. All you see are ponchos, umbrellas, strollers, and pronto pups, and the occasional <laughs> Sweet Martha's cookie hey. bucket. As you said, people plan to be here on Tuesday. They're here on Tuesday. Yeah. Well, yeah. see, people have the buckets of the of the cookies now, kind of like what we have here in front of us, because they have the cover on them, so people can walk <laughs> around and protect them from the rain. You know, and which means, and, and by the way, Manny Hill's hanging out with us from the ride with Roycey, and uh, he'll be he'll be a large presence on our show the rest of the week, and probably going forward too. And we have we're going to have a couple things to announce regarding our show next week to the audience that. Some things are still formulating, but we're going to have uh, at least one announcement to make next week regarding our show. To think if you if you do have to uh, eat the 20 cookies off the top to put the top on the bucket, I mean, that's an aggressive start to your day here <laughs> before, before 1030. Boudreaux came over and was like between questions was just grabbing cookies. Do you, <laughs> do you there's a, there's realize, a chocolate though? splotch on the table over there. <laughs> so, that's great. So I was out here for the delivery of the cookies on Thursday, Friday, Monday and today. How many cookies have you had? I have zero so You've far. You've not had one I single gave, cookie. Because I gave much. in last year and did it, and my problem is I don't really like sweets that much, but if I start, then I got problems. Yeah. Because I'm stop. so I'm so weak. I'm so weak that even though I'm not a big sweets guy, once I start in on them, then as you just said, I can't stop. Judd Athlete Challenge. That is so <laughs> pathetic. No, things. the challenge last year. Thank God Do you want somebody. To Manny's feet? Thank God somebody <laughs> sent me a note. The challenge last year, the fact that I almost to pay off the uh, the bets from our picks segment from the previous season, almost ate an entire or attempted to eat an entire bucket. Till somebody sent me a note and said, "Do not try that. <laughs> Your heart will race. You will throw up, and you will have to leave the show." Well, okay. What? And so I said, "Thank you." Now that I look at this. Whoever said that was right. There's no yeah. and this this is uh, and there's probably twenty cookies off the top of this, and this is still full. What would happen if you put an entire bucket down? Are those the, are those the only three things that would happen? I think more than those three oh, things would happen. Oh, I think yeah, I think it'd be I think it'd be a disaster for at least two days, right? 
Boy, I I think the I, vomiting would be followed by something else that would. That's con- the first thing that, that would, would continue. happen to me is I would just start puking everywhere. Probably. Yeah. No. As good as the cu- as good as the cookies are. Oh no! But, yeah, but it's, it's just, a the. You know what I was thinking when I agreed to the challenge originally? I was thinking to myself, okay, it's a bucket full of cookies filled to the, just filled to the top, so the lid can close. I didn't think this through. No, it's like a bucket and a half of cookies. Exactly. For sure. <laughs> exactly. What's the? Do you guys remember? Since we're on the subject here, we're at the fair. When in Rome, do you remember the worst you've ever felt? Not like food poisoning bad, but the worst you've ever felt after eating too much, or or a moment that oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Because I, I mean, I know mine happened downtown Chicago after bars were closing, and I had a super panic moment trying to find a cab to to race the <laughs> clock back to the hotel. And it involved buffalo wings. It involved. It was it, it, actually. I, I was with Lavelle Neal and a couple other Twins okay. writers. That's that's the yeah. start of your problem. Was, I, was with I, I was with Lavelle. Right I was with Lavelle. You should have called me before you went out with him. <laughs> it was like two in the morning. It Cigars. Was the hottest wings. It was Mother Hubbard's downtown Chicago. Yeah, I've been there. And it was a it was a patty melt, uh, wings and tater tots with multiple beers. And my stomach revolted on the walk back to the hotel. Yeah. And I, fi- I found a taxi cab. I actually tapped on the window of a taxi cab driver who was trying to take a rest and nap. Yeah. So I woke this guy because he's the only cab. And I thought I was six blocks away from the hotel because I just didn't know. I, I got lost. And so he- I tap on the window, and my stomach is, like, counting down from 60 seconds, ready to roar. <laughs> and this guy rolls down the window, and I say, can I get a ride back to the whatever hotel it was? He says nothing. He just opens the door. It says nothing. I sit in the passenger seat. Instead of the back seat, I sat in the passenger you seat. Like, you're like, <laughs> like panic. You wanted to emphasize yeah. how quickly you had to get back to the hotel. He, he puts the car in drive, drives forward a block, stops. I look out. That was, I was a block from the hotel but didn't know where I was. He said nothing the whole I gave him a $20 bill because I felt so bad. Yep. Got in the elevator, was you know doing the dance, race into the hotel room, and was like in stride sliding in for a. You know what? It was a home run. You made it. You made you made one. I, I can tell you one simple tactical mistake here, in the hotel, go into the first floor bathroom. But you, if you don't know where it is, if you don't, if you're if you spend two minutes searching for it and you don't. Oh, think you shouldn't be minutes, able to search. But couldn't you see like the signs? I I was only I was like I often only find... thinking, and it was the by the way it was like the twenty fifth floor. Okay, I and often so, one. Two, so were three. you? So Phil, were you? Did you end up throwing up, or was this like a Jeff oh, no. Daniels in, oh, in Jeff Dumb Dan- and Dumber situation? Oh, yeah. There was a there was a George Brett. There was a George Brett in Las Vegas. Yes. one of the greatest stories of all time. Oh, I feel like I, that that was a good um, lesson, though, to what it's like to cover a beat. In the sense that those guys, if you want to know why guys who cover like baseball, hockey, basketball get doughy and or fat, because you get a per diem and you're in Chicago, yeah, <laughs> and all of a sudden you're just traveling and like you're like, oh yeah, throw some wings on there, yeah, yeah, yeah you know what, throw some more chips and guac on there. I would have, I would have liked get to some en- queso in yeah, there. Yeah, good. it's like with Roycey. <laughs> well, take one order of the queso, three nachos. <laughs> That's that's learned. That's learned from his time on the Twins beat. I got a couple dogs too. You know, give me a couple brats. I have some brats. <laughs> and yeah, all the of brats the calamari. <laughs> the entire kitchen. Bring all of it out. Uh, Jonathan, you got some stuff we should know about next. I do. I have some. Uh, I'm finally bringing up soccer. I didn't do it yesterday, but we've got a crazy soccer coach outburst, which I know Judd loves. Wow. Uh, we've got some bad I use of words in college outburst. football, and uh, Manu Ginobili. All right, and Manny Hill's hanging out with us. Mackie and Judd from the Minnesota State, the soggy Minnesota State Fair. 
Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. Indeed we do for the State Fair. Mackie, Judd, Manny, Jonathan Harrison, what do you got for us today? All right, were you guys watching Sunday Night Football this Sunday? I wasn't watching this Sunday, but I was definitely watching rerun games on NFL Network that I shouldn't have been watching over the weekend. (laughs) I think I know where you're going. Yeah, well, we get another innovation for football that I don't think we necessarily need. Let's have Al Michaels explain it here. And we're going to tell you now on third down is an enhancement we have. We think you're going to like this. The green zone, we're going to call it. So we are going to paint, in in effect, the area that the team has to go to get to the yellow line, the first down line. Yeah, that's about it. They're painting up until the yellow line. Ten yard, so the, the ten ye- yard, it goes <sighs> it goes super green. So the yellow the yellow line isn't enough? Correct. I guess not. It's not just, just look at the yellow line yeah. and say, hey, they need to get there. <laughs> so we're now looking at an incredibly green illuminated yes. span of the ten yards. I don't hate it as much as I think. I think the the Twitter overreaction, which is always the case, was, was a, a little. I did yeah. see the screenshot of this. I didn't see it live. The yellow line's fine. If I'm a player, and now so I, I can't see anything, right? And and it's all up to your depth perception to see where you're mm-hmm. supposed to cut a route off. If I'm a player, I want that stuff on the field, though. You know, tell me where I'm supposed to be for a first down. Right. I think the, the yellow, yellow line's line. enough for fans, though. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It. it I think it's too much. Like, like I get it. Just seems unnecessary. Well, I, and it seems I unnecessary it. when the yellow line's already there. Yeah, and yeah. they pay and they pay millions and and billions of times of dollars. So I get the offseason temptation to be like, "Hey, Harry, what should we do this year? Let's do the green zone. That's a great idea." And it's good but, they're introducing it in the preseason when we can all say, "Yeah, don't use this during the regular season." Yeah. You know, why can't they just you know, you know how they do these pregame intros in NBA arenas where they make the court fall apart. You yeah. should just do stuff like that between the first down marker and the line of scrimmage. Oh, my God, there's you an ocean with sharks. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. is going to get eaten by a great white. Just to make it, you know, and they could just do it for the crappy matchups. Oh, the Jets and the Browns are playing, and there's a lava volcano eruption between the line of scrimmage and the first There's a big shark down. coming up like, oh like Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, my God, Sam Darnold's dead. <laughs> Sam Darnold, Teddy's going to play. You know what I want? You know what? You know what I don't get? Why don't these networks take their take their for the most part useless all sports cable channels and enhance coverage? So like if NBC is showing a Sunday night game, give me something different but from that game on an NBC on Sports, NBC sports Net, Network. Like like Phil t- talks about, mic more people up and it's cable. So if they swear they swear. Sure. But so you want me the that, megacast. Yeah, give give me something like right, but give me something you pay all of this money Give me something that I can't get from Alan Chris. Actually, there is one thing. I don't know if it was Sunday Night Football. It, it might have been one of the just the NFL Network uh, telecasts of a game in the last couple weeks. Instead of doing the all 22 sort of Madden cam, which I do think that's the direction we're headed because think about how many people grew up on Madden and how many gamers there are. Mm-hmm. And that's the perception you like to watch football from because you get to see where all the routes are developing. The step between where we are traditionally and where that is one of these games zoomed out from the side view so that you could see all 22 players from the side view. And I kind of like that. Oh, interesting. So you can see, okay, where are the safeties lined up? Because ordinarily, you get to see where the linebackers are. You can't see but the you don't see the, Yeah, you don't see the safeties. But if you could see the safeties, you get a better feel for... And like then you it. get to see routes run a little bit longer than just five yards and out of the picture. Or so. if you're watching somebody playing the Tampa 2, the, the corners are playing 25 yards off the <laughs> right, receiver. Right, exactly. So you can't <laughs> see the corners either. So. That's, 
Everything in front. Everything in front. That's like a CD make them make now. a mistake. That, that's like a, let's go back uh, years and years ago when the Tampa 2 was popular. Yeah. Hey, I'm playing the Tampa 2. Come on, strategy. I'm going to tackle you, buddy. I love that strategy, those Leslie Frazier defenses where just, hey, you, it's, it's really hard for an offense to go 15 plays without making a mistake. And, like, you look at the scoreboard and it's 31 points. And say, well, what if they don't make a mistake? Well, I guess we're screwed. Maybe that should yeah. be the next thing is the, the zone to show how close the receiver should be to the to the uh, defensive back so yes. that they're not playing too far off. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Jonathan? We'll stick with football here. We'll go college football. Last weekend was week zero, as it's called in college football. But the game I'm going to focus in on, I think Manny knows where I'm going on this, uh, focusing on for this bit is Hawaii versus Colorado State. Nearly 1,000 yards of passing, only one interception the entire game, just one sack for the entire game. That's all pretty impressive. It's not the thing I'm focusing on, though. The highlight I'm highlighting here is Aaron Taylor, the analyst. In the first quarter, the Colorado State tight end, Trey McBride, was flagged for holding on a play when he grabbed his defender and drove him to the ground. And, uh, yeah, this is how this is how Taylor analyzed the call. But this is going to set them back a little bit. You see that left arm, he just raw dogs him, drags him <laughs> to the ground. I mean, there's no other way to do it. But you got to understand, man, you're two freshmen. This is moving really fast for Trey right now. That's the official term. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Raw dog. Oh! <laughs> oh. Does he know what that means? Once again, I it's cable. Think he did. Once again, it, it's cable. <laughs> it's late right. at night. It's on CBS Sports Network. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. That's not All the technical right. term for that. That's, uh, have have any of you guys, all hardcore sports fans, have any of you watched a full event on CBS Sportsnet ever? Oh, it's hard to do. Um, I don't think the I. The only other time I did was when the Gophers yeah. were out there to play Colorado State. I think that's I think my the own first game of the year a couple of years ago. I think you're right. There was also I feel like there was a Gopher hockey game, some regional game. I feel like there was a Gopher <laughs> hockey game on. That I mean, they do have some time. college hockey. You know what? I, right. I'll admit this. They used to have. Adam and maybe this still happens. Adam Shine used to host. It's, still it's the the other pregame show. They call okay. it Tops. Yeah. yeah, and he hosts a show at night. Shine, 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 on, shine sports. on sports. I'll watch. Shine I'll give me a little Adam Shine. <laughs> Adam Shine. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> uh, he just eats a raw steak, uncooked raw steak. I'm gonna tell you about Doug Peterson right now. I'm gonna eat this full pig. After I kill so, him live on the air. So you, you used to watch the pregame show? I, I've dabbled. Okay. I don't know if I've ever watched front to back. I think Manny's right. I think the Gopher Colorado State football game went. And that was what, who, like three, who was the three kicker? years ago? Was it Jay Feely was the sideline? Oh, the and, kicking analyst. The kicking analyst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's, I think he might have been. God bless him. He's awful. <laughs> he missed that kick. No, actually, he made the kick. Oh, back, back, back after back this. Back to you guys. <laughs> Back upstairs, uh, after my analysis was complete. Yeah, yeah, no, actually, that's good, Jake. Judd and I had an idea yesterday, Manny, that if... So Ed Hockley's not officiating anymore, and he is the prime candidate, I would think, to be one of these new officiating analysts on TV. Mm -hmm. But instead of just going to Ed Hockley live and he analyzes the call, I think you should go to Ed Hockley's gym. It's kind of like a KG (laughs) Area 21 thing, but it's just Ed Hockley's workout center. And he's just in super tight. It's all like zebra striped shirts with no sleeves. Yeah, they're just cut. They're like, and they're not even cut off. They're just ripped off. Yes. And he always finishes the last two or three reps before he can explain what happened on the field. 37, 38. (laughs) And you guys, you guys have seen uh, Hockley's kid. Well, he he officiated. Yeah. Sean Hockley officiated. He called the the poor. that yeah. uh, roughing the quarterback. He 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 explains everything just like his dad. He actually looks like his dad, except he doesn't have. The diesel arms like his father does, which yeah. he needs. Yeah, you've got if you're, if you're going to be, be a hockey, league, league, yes. you got to get the arms. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if I'm Ed, I'm ashamed that my son <laughs> doesn't have 21 inch pythons. Jonathan, all right. So 
I mentioned we'll talk soccer here just for a little bit. I know Judd's mentioned that he likes crazy soccer coaches that go off in press conferences. Yep. Well, it happened again yesterday. Let's set the scene here. Manchester United, Jose Mourinho. It wasn't the smoothest off season of off seasons for Jose and United. Jose wanted more signings. The board told him no. Uh, Jose's getting ripped for his style of play. They haven't been really impressive this season. They lost to a team that should be relegated last week. Well, enter yesterday. Jose and United are hosting Tottenham, a team that's battling for the title this year. First half goes okay. It's nil-nil. United look good. Well, second half comes around and Tottenham completely destroy Manchester United. 3-0, final score. The press, which already had, which is already all over Jose, has the knives out for the post-match press conference. It doesn't take very long, but this is how it ends. Now, just to finish, do you know that what was the result? 3-0. 3-0. Do you know what this means? 3-0. But also mean three premierships and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect. Respect. Respect, man. And he walks out saying respect. It's amazing. And then just walks away. Yeah. It's, it was marvelous. Boy. Who would be the NFL equivalent of a coach who's won a championship, currently employed, maybe oh. a few years past uh, past his prime? I feel like all those guys are out of the league now. I was going to say, did John I, Fox ever win a championship? No, he went. No, to, he, he went close. Went twice. to a couple Super Bowls, right? Yeah, that's what I would do if I were Eli Manning. Every time I throw an interception, no matter, I got two chance, two rings. You're right, yeah, two rings. I can't think of one. Two rings. Yeah, they get you out of there in the NFL. Now, now I will say this. The United job might be the worst job in all of sports. Yes. I have never heard a United fan, and I know some at Brits, they're never happy. Jonathan, aren't you a United fan? I am very much so, yes. Yeah. Are you ever happy? I'm happy. Like I mean, I miss Sir Alex constantly. Ferguson, but yes, yeah, it hasn't been Sir great Alex since. Ferguson. Sir. We were joined earlier today, Sir Bruce Boudreaux. <laughs> yeah. That's what we should have called him. So Man U fans are kind of like, they're kind of like Yankee fans almost. I think they're unhappy. If you if you go two years without winning a championship, it's just like it's a dumpster fire and everybody's mad and nobody's happy. Fire yes. everybody. Yeah, yeah pretty but, much. Yeah. But the New it. York but New Yorkers are more yeah, we're great, we're great. Uh, it, over there, the the natural inclination I think is to be far more pessimistic and negative. Mm-hmm. So they just complain. Mm-hmm. So like you don't you don't get the we're great. You get the, yeah, we won five rip, but we're not happy about this and that. And it's our, nil, Judd. And, it's, and nil. Our, it's nil. Get it right. Okay. I Americanized it for the fair audience here that's watching the show, okay? But, uh, yeah. Speaking of overprivileged fans, happy. the Patriots fan in the audience here, all right? <laughs> one of these years, you're not going to be good. I just don't know which one it is. Yeah, I know. It's been a good run. It's been a good run. When Tyler- I was a kid, you were terrible. That's all I know. Steve Grogan. Well, uh, Jonathan, you got anything else for us? I uh, will finish up with with this one. After 16 years with the Spurs and 23 years overall as a pro basketball player, Spurge legend Manu Ginobili announced his retirement yesterday, saying, Today, with a wide range of feelings, I'm announcing my retirement from basketball. Immense gratitude to everyone involved in my life in the last 23 years. It's been a fabulous journey way beyond my wildest dreams. Ginobili was a four-time NBA champion, two-time NBA All-Star, or t- yeah, two-time NBA All-Star, an Olympic gold medalist for Argentina and a EuroLeague MVP in his career, Ginobili amassed fourteen thousand and forty-three points. So they so they lost Kawhi Leonard, Tony Parker, mm-hmm. Mana Ginobili, and then recently Tim Duncan, and they're still going to win more games than the Timberwolves are. This <laughs> year, <probably. laughs> oh yeah, man! What a player, though, Manny Ginobili, man. I mean, that guy, he he 
when you think Eurostep, that's who you think of. Like, even guys in the NBA who never really did that move made that. They started doing that move because they saw Manu use that as, like, a staple of getting to the rim. And see Dwayne Wade and LeBron and even other guys do it, too. So Manu's a special player, special yeah, player. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I do miss from 15 years ago now the full, long, flowing hair that he yeah, had yeah. when he first came in the league. <laughs> yeah. And then he started to go bald up top and decided to cut bait on it. But... <laughs> Do they do busts in the NBA Hall of Fame or the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame? Because if they do, he should keep the cape. Or do they do plaques? I think it's pla- I think they, they do plaques. They might do plaques. Okay. I think it's plaques, yeah. <laughs> do a bust with long flowing hair on it. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Manny Hill's hanging out with us. That was Jonathan Harrison with some stuff you should know about. Mackie and Judd from the Minnesota State Fair. If you missed Jason Stark yesterday, we are going to play. That was awesome, as always. And he's going to uh, be played back around 11.30 today. And Bruce Boudreaux was on the show at 9.30. You can find that on demand later. Later on, wherever you would find podcasts, you can just search Mackie and Judd. Back with more from the Minnesota State Fair next. The Great Minnesota Get-Together is here. While you're making your State Fair plans, be sure to add 1500 ESPN to your list. Swing by our booth on the corner of Dan Patch and Chambers to watch all your favorite shows broadcast live from the front porch and check out the new merchandise in the Pro Shop. More details at 1500ESPN.com. All right, thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Judd hanging out at the Minnesota State Fair. Our buddy Manny Hill from the Ride with Royce and the Raised by Wolves podcast is here. We, so we went over our first 2018 pigskin pecking order okay. right before you got here. And Judd and I both have the Vikings in our top two, so we both, we both have them number two. I have the Eagles number one still because even though they might suffer a downfall, it's just a theory right now. The Eagles mm-hmm. are still a stacked organization, and if Carson Wentz gets back, I think people feel good about that. Um, and then we were, we differed in the bottom half of the top ten. I've got the Chargers at six because their mm. defense was great last year. Phillip Rivers is one of the most underrated quarterbacks of this generation of quarterbacks. And I put the Texans at ten with superstars coming back from uh, from injury. What what would you say your ten-ish looks like? I would say I, I like the Texans being in there because I think they were really trending upward when you know before Deshaun Watson got hurt and that was just a crippling blow and they were already dealing without uh JJ Watt at that point and I think if you get those two guys back I think they have a chance to be really good especially in that weak division yep um you know the Jaguars are good but Blake Bortles anyway um, and now Marquise Lee's out so yeah yeah so they might have some trouble even though that defense is fantastic but um, definitely, I, I think the Vikings are up there. I would put the Vikings probably around four right now just because I'm still a little bit concerned about, you know, the offensive line. And I, 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 the, with the offensive line, I want to see more before, sure. I'm, before I'm really ready to, like, put them up at number one just because if you can't protect Kirk Cousins or block for Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to be able to move the football. Um, so I would put the Vikings up there at number four, though, because I think they have enough to be in that top five. The Patriots are going to be up there. I would put the Patriots probably number two. I like the Eagles at number one. I'd put the Patriots at number two. Um, I like the Rams a lot. Um, I, I know that the guys that they got, there's sort of a thought about, you know, personalities and, you know, how is, you know, Ndamukong Sue and Aqib Tlaib and all those guys. But, but what if it works? What if it works? Yeah. If it works and those guys are all healthy. you got to um, get Donald in, though. Yeah, you got to get Donald him locked up. Donald not being in is a big Why deal. Why have they not locked him up? I yet? have no idea. I, I mean, have that, no he, he is arguably the best defensive this player is, in football. This is where any criticisms that I have of the Vikings 
when it comes to contracts, they are outstanding. Yeah. Rob Brzezinski and Spielman have done it. Think about this. Think about the big names on that roster. And how often, I mean, the Anthony Barr thing's a talker, mm-hmm. but he's there. Like, when's the last time that you said to yourself, the Vikings have this key player and he's not there? Yeah. How it old is happen. Aaron Donald? 20. This is, this is his first big contract? He, or 26 no, or 27, he's going, maybe? Yeah, he's going into the final year. I think he's a fifth-year option guy, and I think he okay. was drafted the same year that Barr was drafted. Okay, so but this his, would be a no-brainer extension. Unless there's something behind the scenes personality-wise or if there's something that we just don't know about. Are they worried about him getting hurt? He doesn't have much of an injury history, I don't think. I don't know what they're doing. But to, to, it ju- doesn't make sense. to your point, Judd, this is the type of player that always gets locked up with the Vikings. Always, yep. right? Yep. Just flat out, 100%, he's the Xavier Rhodes. He just gets locked up. Or he's the uh, Neil Hunter in this case. Whatever. If, we have to, if you have to overpay a little bit, it's worth it. Um, if a guy gets to his age 29 free agency period, okay, then the Vikings tend to pump the brakes on those guys. So it is, it is odd, but if he becomes available in, <laughs> in a couple of years, um, make sure you have some cap space. Oh, yeah. But I'll tell, tell you what, him next to Ndamukin Sue on that oh. offensive front, I mean – Look out. Do you think Goff comes back and, and has as good of a year? That's the one thing. McVay, I think McVay's a really good coach. I do think that, that once again, this is a situation where coordinators have had an entire offseason now to study Goff. I'm not saying he can be stopped, but I think there's probably ways to slow him. And, and the Vikings-Rams game here sort of gave you the blueprint for ways to go about it. Yeah, Goff is interesting because he was so bad as a rookie. Like, he was awful as a rookie. And you think about, okay, how much of that had to do with just coaching Jeff Fisher, being just sort of a dinosaur of a head coach, and then you enter Sean McVay. And the thing, the thing you have to watch with Jared Goff, I think, is last year he performed well when the expectations were low. When the season started, nobody really thought. Everybody thought, okay, well, the Rams would be better because by default they'd be better because Jeff Fisher was awful and everything. But there were no real expectations for Jared Goff to make the leap that he made. Now there are expectations. Now they have. Now they brought in Dominican Sue, Akeem Talib, and Brandon Cooks, and these guys. So now everybody's going to look at Jared Goff and say, "Okay, we've given you even more talent. Now you got to kick it up even a further notch than you did last year. And you were really good last year, but now you got to take it even a step further. So yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. Who would you guys say is the? This is kind of a tough question because you have to sort of think of thirty-two quarterbacks in your head. And, who do you think is the epitome of an average quarterback in today's NFL? Because I, I would argue that Flacco. You could, but I think Flacco. I think Flacco I think he's is below that. Now. No, honestly, I think well, Flacco's now. Yeah, now he's below. But if you're ranking 32 NFL. guys, I think Flacco's for sure in the bottom six of those of those yeah. 32. I almost think it's Cam Newton now, which is saying something about the quality of quarterback play in the NFL from like one through 20. And this was a guy that was an MVP of the league two years ago. Yeah, yeah three I mean, years ago. Philip Rivers, because you can you can easily roll off. Let, let's say the 16th best quarterback is the is the average quarterback in the NFL among starters. So I mean mm-hmm. you're you're going to go Brady and Rodgers and uh, probably Breeze and Ben and I'm going to put Russell Wilson in that. So group. where Matt Ryan? Where would you guys draw draw the line? Who who is the first quarterback who comes to mind that you wouldn't want? Not a terrible QB, but like if if you go through the list of the top half, you'd be like, okay, I take him, I take him. Where do you draw the line at? Okay, this is the first guy, so he's not terrible. But this is the first guy who I'm going to say I don't think I'd want him. So like, I, know, I go Tannehill. I know where that the area. I know where the line is, and I know who's a, who's the first person above the line, and it's Kirk Cousins. I think yeah. Kirk, I think 
Kirk Cousins is the first person above the line. Who's around 14? Kirk Cousins, or? Cam Newton, I think they're all in kind of that same. Yeah, 12, 13, 14. I, yeah. And then below that, whatever. I mean, Andy Dalton's Andy below Dalton. that line. Flacco's below the line. Um, uh, I, think the, I think the first guy I get to, the, the, the area code or vicinity is probably Tannehill, a guy like that. I don't need him long term, yeah. Because well, I don't. We'll see what he does this year. But I mean, but. I might not hate him. But he'd be the first guy. I'd be like, yeah, I don't think I'd want to go there yet. Where's the- Eli? Where's Eli at for you guys? This is an interesting one. So I think the Giants might make the playoffs. Okay. I think with Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, Eli Manning, and now you've got Pat Shermer, offensive-minded guy at head coach. Because Eli, Eli's interesting because he's not. I mean, people people ripped on him because he had some years where he threw a lot of picks and everything. But then you have the two Super Bowls, and he's had some years where he, where the numbers are pretty good. But have you ever really looked at Eli Manning and said, "Yeah, top ten quarterback in the league," or or taken? Let me take that and spin it this way: If I know you can't do this because you earn championships and you and and he he doesn't have to apologize for winning two championships. If he didn't have two Super Bowl rings, let's say they lose those two Super Bowls to the Patriots, yep. and he's gone to two Super Bowls, but he's but now he's lost two. Sure. Is there any Hall of Fame discussion? I don't think so. Because nope, I, I think either. it's based on that solely. Yeah, yeah. He does, and again, he, he performed wonderfully in those Super Bowls. Yeah, and but he also got the miracle Tyree catch, which was an act of God, and, and the miracle Manningham catch yeah. too in the second one. Uh, the interesting thing about the Giants to me is the Giants are the the equivalent of the team that did the drug buy, because Barkley could be fantastic, and they could make the playoffs. To Phil's point, the drug buy, the drug buy in this sense. They got the quick high. Oh, for two thousand for two thousand. Well, they literally have a drug ring yeah, going yeah. on inside their organization. Pat Shermer, Pat Shermer's on the corner right now <laughs> buying cocaine. No, they 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 did the short term fix of, and this could act, this could work for a playoff berth. I don't think that they're a Super Bowl team, especially in that conference. Um, but I think they're going to look back in a few years and be like, why didn't we take a quarterback there? I mean, you were presented with the opportunity in a quarterback driven league to take a quarterback. And I think you're going to regret it long term. I think short term you're going to be happy with the 2018 results. Are they somewhat like the 2012 Vikings in a sense, where they came? They, you know, the Vikings that year were coming off a three and thirteen year, and then Adrian Peterson's coming off the ACL. He runs for two thousand yards, twenty one hundred yards. Not saying Saquon Barkley's going to do that, but do they seem like a team that will pop up and win like ten games this year? And we'll be like, oh, yeah, the Giants, yeah, good year. And then I next year that. they're like 7-9. and nine, yeah. I could easily see that. And we're looking that. at Pat Summer saying, what the hell happened? Yep. I, I don't know if this would happen because of the New York-New York connection, but I would love to see Teddy Bridgewater take over for Eli Manning, too. I can think of five teams I'd love to see Teddy. Collar with. actually called a guy out there and, and As, uh, yeah. did the podcast, and the guy said they, they will never make that trade. They'll but he's ne- available after the year, right? Yeah. Yes. Or is it a two-year deal? No. It's a one-year deal. One-year deal. So you just go, just go sign okay, with the I Giants gotcha. next year. Yeah. yeah. He'd be great out there. Because you know what trade for him now. Why would you, he's got a one-year left in his deal. And with Shermer? That'd be kind of fun, right? Um, I'm going to say goodbye and uh, go do some work back at the studio. I'm off tomorrow, and uh, Manny's going to be in tomorrow. But mm-hmm. I'm going to pass the uh, torch to you two gentlemen to All talk right. as much uh, food and sports as you Very want. Good. <laughs> Also, for, for listeners... Pop culture, a little Trump, too. We'll, we'll, we'll mix, mix it, all it all in. For sure. Exactly. We got we'll, some thoughts on the president. We'll take your calls. On, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you missed it earlier, Bruce Boudreaux joined the show on stage and was wonderful at 9.30. So that'll be part of the first hour of our podcast, and it'll be a featured item. So just go find the Mackie and Judd On Demand uh, audio, anywhere you would find podcasts. Later on today, Jason Stark, if you missed him yesterday, and also Kate Mortensen from the Minneapolis Final Four Local Organization Committee on 
the Final Four coming to town in uh, in a few months here. Mackie and Judd live at the Minnesota State Fair. Manny and Judd back in a couple minutes here.